Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. When our babies were little, we took them in for baby checks. Maybe you're familiar with these things, but parents of little children uh, bring their babies in. Sometimes the nurse visits them in home where they monitor the baby's development. They measure the head and they weigh them, but they also look for other maybe speech or cognitive development for motor skills. And they just assess how the baby's doing, usually in relation to other children. And so you get the whole percentile. Friend of mine, they had a huge baby, and we would always laugh after their nurse checks because their baby always ranged in like the 98th percentile for head size or the 97th percentile for weight. And we always joked that they didn't have a baby. They actually literally had a toddler, and they started right there. But these kind of baby checks are really helpful, right? Because healthy babies grow. Healthy babies develop. And though children can have different, you know, stages, and sometimes there's obviously differences between them that are healthy and normal, you can look at a baby and determine maybe there's something that's amiss here. Maybe there's a gap in their development. Maybe there's an area that we need to focus on. And as a result of these baby checks, then perhaps parents will do certain things. Maybe they'll adjust diet. Maybe they'll focus on certain exercises. Maybe they'll um, focus on on speech or or patterns or colors. Or maybe they'll play Mozart. Or maybe they'll play catch. Whatever it is, the point is they want to address these growth gaps in appropriate ways. Because healthy babies grow. Healthy kids grow. Healthy teens grow. It's all the same. And these growth gaps help us pay attention to things that might need to change. But what about followers of Jesus? What's it like for us? I think the same is true. That when we consider a healthy Christian, we would expect there to be growth and development in certain ways. We can expect growth and where there might be a gap in our own lives, in the life of maybe the people around us, well, then we can pay special attention We can address them with diet and exercise and other things like that. Gaps in growth, in fact, make us aware of something in our lives or the lives of those around us that might need some special help or some special attention. It's really important that we're able to identify those things. Now, we actually see this all over the New Testament letters, where writers will address a specific growth gap that is in a particular Christian group or a particular church or maybe even a person's life. You know, Paul measures, you could say, the heart health of the Corinthian Christians. And he prescribes quite an array of challenging exercises that are meant to address their poor theology and their elitist pride. In another letter, famously, Paul, who realizes just how stunted and deformed the Galatian Christians have become, he seems to almost lose it on them, he gets downright forceful in his call for specific changes in the mindset 
and the way they treat each other, and the way they think about God, and the way they think about their own lives. The writer of the letter to the Hebrews, he called out specifically the poor diet of these Christians. He says, you're still drinking baby's milk when you should be eating mink, mil, uh, you should be eating meat by now. And, and he says, look, your diet is that of a baby. And this resistance to solid food is a sign of your spiritual immaturity. Growth gaps, in fact, are the reason why we have much on the New Testament writing. You've probably heard me say it before. We can always be thankful for the growth gaps or even the sin of some of these early Christians' lives because if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have much of the New Testament. It helps, though, because it reminds us that the Holy Spirit has always been working to close the gap to help God's people grow into the image, into the full realization of who God wants them to be. That's always been the Holy Spirit's job, and it still is. still is now. Why is that? Because growing people is God's priority. It's what he's all about. And any Christian then, Anyone who says, I'm a follower of Jesus, but isn't growing? Isn't growing in love? Isn't growing in grace? Isn't growing in freedom and in power? Well, it's not a reason to judge. It's just a concern, right? There's a gap. There's an area of potential the Holy Spirit wants to expand. There's something that needs to be shored up or supported or corrected or disciplined or encouraged. And all of us have those gaps, both personally, as a church community, it's a larger community. We all have those gaps, and God longs to bring health and vitality to us all so that we can experience fully his desire for us and so that through us, God's desire can be done in the world around us. Well, today, I want to invite you to reimagine growth. We're in this series called Reimagine, where we're trying to step back to reflect and reimagine and then respond to the work that God is calling us into, the work of reflecting new rhythms, of, of, of new growth. But we're going to explore that even further through this series. And last week, we looked at rhythms in, in, in particular. We talked about the daily and weekly and monthly rhythms in our life that encourage this flourishing that God desires. And we just got to start on something that is called a rule of life. That's this structure or trellis A lot of it is focused on our calendar, but the things that matter, the things that are priorities in our lives, the rhythms and relationships, so that we can be focused on the things that God wants to develop and grow in us. This series is very much a hands-on workshop-style series. I want you to know that. Um, I'm not just going to give you a little thing here or there for you to reflect on. I'm actually wanting you to get in with your elbows and get in with your hands and work on this together. You're going to need to take some notes because much of what I'm going to give you today, you have to then take and follow up on, reflect further, write more, respond in certain ways. So I encourage you now to get out some paper, get out a pen, and work through this very practical message with me today. This rule of life that God is calling us into is unique to you, it's unique to your circumstances, but it's a way of getting clear on the things that God wants to do in your life and in mine. Today, we're going to focus on reimagining our growth. And it's going to have direct application to some of the work we already started last week and will continue to do for the next few weeks. It's going to give us more depth and insight 
in how we structure our lives as healthy, growing followers of Jesus. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I just ask that now, as we dig into this, that you would lead us to flourishing. That you would help us reimagine growth. Healthy, vibrant growth in our lives. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, healthy babies grow. Healthy people grow. Healthy Christians grow. And where there's gaps in 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 that growth, we then pay attention. But how do we begin to reimagine our growth? How do we begin to identify our gaps? Well, I want to offer you a prototype, as it were, a model of growth. Actually, the, literally the best model I could possibly find, and that's the model of Jesus Christ himself, as he developed from a boy into a man. Now, you've already heard the story from Luke 2, but I want you to focus in on the last line of that story. After Jesus had been found among the teachers of the Torah, after he had regaled them with his insight and his questions and his answers, he returns to his hometown to live in submission to Joseph and to Mary. And then this wonderful fourfold description of his development is given to us. In the New Living Translation, we read, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. What a wonderful description of healthy, vibrant growth. And it marks the broad ways that Jesus matured from a boy into a man. Well, just as Jesus grew up in these four broad areas, we can reimagine our growth using the same four. Taking them in reverse, the four areas we're going to focus on today as we reimagine growth is the, are this. Relational growth, favor with people. Spiritual growth, favor with God. Personal growth, talking about stature. And practical growth, that is wisdom. We're going to approach each of these four areas in the same way. We're going to reflect, then we're going to reimagine, and then we're going to respond. And I actually encourage you to get a sheet of paper, as I've already instructed you. And on the sheet of paper, to simply write R-S-P-P down the side. Make some lines. These are for your note-taking. And then across the top, put reflect, reimagine, respond. So R stands for relational, spiritual, personal, and practical. And then reflect, reimagine, respond. And that will help you as you take notes today. First, let's look at relational growth. That is favor with people. We all know people who seem to be favored, right? You know, the kind of people who always seem to be able to connect so well. There's a warmth to them, uh, an attractiveness to them, who seem to love and care. They, they listen, they engage, but they also speak with wisdom, with understanding, in ways that people listen and respond. And sometimes we'll even call these people charismatic. They have a charismatic personality. And that's actually not a coincidence. The original word in Greek here that is translated favor is actually the word grace. And in Greek, that word is charis. It's connected. And it's actually the same word that moves straight over into English when we use the word charismatic. It's grace-favored, grace-gifted. It's gracious. 
in that sense. And a person who seems to operate with this kind of widespread favor is in that sense graced, or you might say charismatic. But as people who've been given grace from God, who follow the gracious Jesus, who are growing by the Holy Spirit in the grace that he has given to us, it's actually God's desire that we each become, in that sense, more charismatic. That we experience greater favor or greater grace in our relationships. That that grows in us when we consider our relationships. The Holy Spirit wants to help us reimagine what that might look like. So first, in order to even get into this, we have to reflect and ask, what are the key relationships in your life? Now, there's some that immediately come to you, the people you live with, whoever that might be, a key friend, maybe kids or nephews and nieces. Or there's a variety of relationships in your life that are unique to yours, but what are they? And so the first step to even reimagining is that we first need to reflect, what are the key relationships that are part of your life? Again, you might not be able to write them all down right now as I'm going through this message, but I invite you to write that question down and come back to it. What are the key relationships in your life? And then the second part of that reflection question is, where, where do you see growth gaps in your relationships? Maybe a place or a, a certain relationship where you seem to have consistent problems, consistent struggles. Maybe someone that offends you a lot. Maybe someone that you tend to gossip about or gossip with. Maybe you realize there's someone in your life that though they are in close relationship, they're with you and around you a lot, you have a tendency to keep them at an emotional distance. Or maybe there's people you realize you've just not been working at that relationship at all. You've been taking it for for granted. Where are the growth gaps in these main relationships. Now, this is going to take some reflection. I understand that. But I think it's important that we begin to identify where some of those growth challenges or gaps might be. So that's our reflection. So now, how do we reimagine that? How would it be? What would it be like for for those relationships to be vibrant and healthy? What would that look like? Again, thinking of those primary relationships, maybe with a spouse, maybe with a friend, I invite you to begin to imagine what would a healthy, vibrant relationship look like? And maybe you already have a good friendship, or maybe your marriage is already quite good, but you can still imagine what would it look like to be even more healthy, even more vibrant. But there also might be a particular relationship that there's been struggle. What would health and vibrancy look like in that relationship? Can you begin to reimagine that? Ask the Holy Spirit to help you do that. But begin to reimagine what would that relationship look like if it were getting better, if there was more trust, if it was more focused on something that was healthy, if our conversation was one that built each other up rather than tore maybe someone else down. What would that look like? To begin to reimagine those vibrant relationships as healthy and growing. You see, it is absolutely God's will that we experience grace and favor in our relationships. 
That is his desire for us. So much of the New Testament is written to address specific relational struggles that were occurring between Christians. If you read, often it's the second half of most of Paul's letters, that's what he's always talking about, is the relational struggles between God's people. And that is, it's God's will that we would experience grace and favor in that. Now, that doesn't always mean things are easy. It doesn't mean there isn't conflict. It doesn't mean there isn't struggle. But it does mean that we are growing in grace with each other and for each other. That is God's will. And so, as we reimagine what a healthy, vibrant relationship would look like, then we respond. This is where we get down to the nitty-gritty of adding to our rule of life. That's this pathway or this structure that we're building that gives clarity to the rhythms and relationships that matter. And so we add to that rule of life, these are the key relationships that I must remember to focus on in my life. Now you might think, why would I write down my marriage or my kids? I'm not going to forget about them. But as we clearly identify the areas, the relationship areas of our lives, we'll get more clarity on how we then need to grow them. And so we write those down. We include them in our rule of life. And then we begin to think, how does that reflect in my calendar? In other words, if I identify that one of my areas of struggle is with one of my kids, then I ask myself, what do I need to put into my calendared life? What rhythm do I need to include so that I'm growing in relationship with this child? Maybe it's going out for a coffee date with dad. Or maybe it's giving a phone call that's more regular. Maybe it's sending a gift. I don't know. But to specifically add to your rule of life something that would lead toward greater growth in that relationship that matters. That's how we respond. Okay, so that's relational growth. But Jesus didn't just grow in favor with people, did he? He also grew in favor with God. And that leads us to the second area, which is spiritual growth. When we think of spiritual growth, we can suffer from a lot of preconceived ideas of what that might mean, depending on our background, depending on whether we had a religious background or not, or whatever. I understand that. But let's use this description of favor with God to tease out what it might mean. I mean, think about it. What does it mean for you to live in favor with God? What does it mean for you, you could even say, to grow charismatically with God, where there's a graciousness, a vibrancy, a a connectedness, and an attractiveness that is just characteristic of that relationship. Now, I want to get something out of the way, a potential misunderstanding. When we use the phrase to grow in favor with God, we're not talking somehow about getting God to love us more or like us more or getting him to pay attention or, you know, all the, thing, all the nasty, ugly, weird things that can get twisted up in there. We're not talking about that stuff. The whole message of the good news of Jesus Christ and who he is and how he lived and what he did and how he died and rose again just for you and me, the whole message is that Jesus gave us the favor that was his. He transferred his favor to us so that we can live under God's favor, which means that when God looks at us, he sees a favored son and a favored daughter. That just as Jesus heard the words, this is my son with who I am well pleased when he was baptized, when he was transfigured, then in some beautiful way, we can hear the same words spoken over us. Jesus has already done this for us. We live as favored people. So what does this represent then? 
What does it mean to grow in favor? Really what it's describing is a person who each and every day is becoming more connected, more intimate, more healthy, perhaps more honest and trusting, living in more powerful ways by the Spirit, where we recognize that more and more and more there's an alignment that is occurring in our heart, in our mind, in our way of living, so that, that, that God's desires for us and God's purposes for the world are syncing up more and more with us each and every day. That this favor, this grace, this abundant life that Jesus came to give us is a more experienced reality in our lives. And that feels an awful lot like favor, doesn't it? So how do we reflect on this? I actually want to invite you to think of a recent experience where you felt that favor, where you were aware of the grace and the favor of God for you through Jesus. Now, maybe you're just exploring faith and you can't quite even identify that yet. I invite you to think of an experience where you knew you were favored, where you knew you were loved. Maybe it's an experience from your own background. And maybe that will give you a little taste of what is also true in Jesus because of what he's done for us, the way that God sees us with favor. For those of us who follow Jesus, just think of that moment where you realize, oh, I'm so thankful for God's care for me. I'm so thankful for his love for me. I'm so thankful for how he has been at work in my life and is showing me his favor and his grace. To reflect on that, and even in that moment of reflection, to thank him for his favor that's already true. And then, to take that step of beginning to reimagine. What would growing in favor look like in your life even now? Can you begin to paint a mental image of yourself more grown up spiritually? Maybe you've never thought of that. But the truth is, God has a plan, a desire. He has a, there's a future you that the Holy Spirit is growing you toward. Could you begin to get a picture of that? Could you ask the Holy Spirit to help you get a picture of yourself more grown up spiritually, more aligned with God and his purposes, more experiencing his favor in your life, to take this to God in prayer and ask him to reveal it to you. It's a beautiful way of reimagining spiritual growth in our lives. And then out of that, I invite you to respond. What is one key habit that you need to include in this developing rule of life that you're working on so that you can grow in favor with God. As you've reflected, and as you reimagined, there might be a specific thing you realize, oh, this would really help me experience God's favor more. This would really help me move toward that image of my future self more grown up spiritually. Maybe it's the realization that you need a regular moment, or two, or five, or seven, where you press pause on your day, whatever you're doing, and you take a few moments to both speak to and listen to God, to pray. Maybe it's that your life has been so frantic that you've realized that the principle of Sabbath keeping, whatever day or however it's done, would be an important way of you pressing the stop button and actually resting in God's care and God's love. Maybe it's that there's been so many voices competing for your attention, voices of friends, voices of family, Voices from social media, 
that you need to spend more time hearing the voice of God through the Scripture. And so you commit to regular moments of receiving Scripture into your ears, into your eyes, into your mind, reflecting and meditating and receiving God's Word through regular Scripture reading or engagement in some way. I don't know what it might be for you, but there's going to be key habits that the Holy Spirit invites you to put into your rule of life that will keep you oriented and focused and growing in favor with God. What is it? Add that to your rule of life. You with me so far? Jesus grew in favor with God. He grew in favor with people. And we should be too. And if we aren't, then there's an area the Holy Spirit wants to grow us in. There's something we can pay attention to. You've already noticed, probably, no surprise, that these first two areas follow very nicely along the lines of loving God and loving each other. That is par for the course. We find that everywhere throughout Scripture. But those are not the only two areas in which we need to be growing. In fact, our health and our growth in these last two areas will have a significant influence on how much we are growing in favor with people and in favor with God. Jesus also grew in stature. Are we? We're looking now at personal growth. Now, when we think of the growing stature of Jesus the boy, it would be easy to think only in terms of his growing body and his broadening shoulders and the fact that he, you know, got taller. Sure, that was, of course, true. He was very much human, and that happened in his life. But it also signals for us an important area in which we need to reimagine our growth, our stature. And so, again, I invite you to reflect. Similar to how we did with relationships, begin to identify in your life, what are the areas of personal growth that need to take place in your life? These are the things that make you, you. An obvious starting point is actually our physical stature. That is, our physical health. Where are the areas that you are being called to grow to become more vibrant and healthy in your physical body. And this is going to include, and your rule of life will include, things like diet and exercise, the stewardship of the piece of creation that God gave you, your physical body. It's also going to include an area like your mental health. Not only things that we've struggled with, like mental illness or some struggles that we carry, but also our growth, the things that we put our minds on the things that we put into our minds, the things that we are growing in, in the way that we think. So the mental area of personal growth. There's also things like emotional health, which crosses very, very deliberately over into relational health. We see that strong connection. But also talks about our emotional maturity as we deal with family of origins. Maybe we receive counseling. Maybe we're receiving healing from some hurts that we've carried as a result of sin done to us or things that we have done in our own lives. I don't know what areas you might identify, but there's all for us multiple areas where we experience personal growth. It could be an intelligence of some kind, an area of learning. It could be in your gifts, that God has given us each gifts by the Holy Spirit. And so you recognize, oh, an area I need to grow is in my teaching gift so I can really serve and help people understand who God is. Or maybe it's in an area of, of, of leadership. 
because God is calling you to, to, to operate in a certain way in, in your workplace, in your family, or even here in our church. It could be a particular passion that you have for art, for languages, for conservation. I don't, I don't know what it is, but each of us need to take time to reflect what are the areas the Holy Spirit's calling me to grow in personally. And from that, to begin reimagining what would a healthy, growing you look like in these areas? And I invite you to take time with this again. To actually ask the Holy Spirit to help you get a picture of, again, a future you who has grown up in these areas in, in a stronger, more focused, more deliberate way. Let's take the physical, for example. Many of us struggle with physical health in particular ways. And so ask yourself, ask the Holy Spirit, what would a healthier me look like in 2023? What would that be like if I were actually more vibrant, more healthy, if I were stronger, if I dealt with this struggle that I'm having, if I addressed this imbalance or I, I, I sought help in this? What would it look like in 2023 if I were healthier? If I took steps to grow in 2021 and in 2022. And just for a bonus, you can begin to imagine how a healthier body would actually help you grow in favor with people and grow in favor with God. It's all connected. Or take gifts, for example. What would it look like if you were to grow very specifically an area of giftedness? So imagine a couple years down the road, if you were really beginning to operate in an area of a strong gift that at this point in your life is still underdeveloped. Maybe it is a gift of serving. Maybe it's a gift of generous giving. Or, as I already mentioned, a gift of leadership. There's a place where God wants to activate you into ministry, and you can begin to imagine, oh, that might be what this is like if I developed this gift. The Holy Spirit is calling you to reimagine a healthier, stronger you who has grown in these areas personally. Now, how do we respond to that? Well, based on our reflection, our reimagination, I want you to take some time to write out a personal vision for yourself that actually captures these areas. Now, this might be hard work. I I implore you to engage this, to take a sheet of paper and begin to write What would it look like for me to be a growing, healthy person covering these areas that I began to identify, to write out a personal vision of myself as as a statement of who I am in the future, someone who's experiencing greater mental clarity, stronger emotional health, a physical body that is actually more able to, to engage with my kids, more able to serve my neighbor, with a growing um, understanding of how I'm to use my gift for the body of Christ and the world that he loves, even using the passions he's given me to reach others for him. What would that look like? Write out a personal vision. Get clear on that. Ask the Holy Spirit to provoke in you a sense of who he desires you to be as a growing, healthy person. And then, as you do that, begin to think, and what would it take for that to happen? In other words, what are some of the key habits that need to show up in my daily rule, in my rhythms, that would actually lead to that, lead to the activation of that gift? 
lead to stronger, healthier physical body, lead to a greater mental health? What would that be? What would those habits be? They often are very small habits. But if put into our rule of life with regularity, we will experience astonishing results. Well, one final area, and that is growing in wisdom. We're talking about practical growth. And this is actually where the rubber meets the road. This is where all the favor and all the health actually matters. It's where vibrant, obedient living as spirit-filled Jesus followers really meets the kingdom vision of God himself, where it all gets worked out. Growing in wisdom. We reflect again about our gaps. And this time, we specifically ask this question, where in my life do I need wisdom? Now, you might know immediately where that is, or you might have to dig for it. But each of us can identify an area, usually two or three, where we really need wisdom. An area of confusion. An area of fear. An area where we have a a persistent struggle. Something keeps coming back up again and again and again. Sometimes, in contrast to wisdom, it might be an area of folly. An area where I just can't seem to get it right. What is that area? Where do you need to grow in wisdom? Some of those areas we might identify as recurring problems. We have often had uh, a temptation to think that's, somebody, that's because of someone else. That's, that's because my spouse won't get it right, or that's because my kid keeps doing this, or that's because... And we have a tendency to shift and make it somebody else's problem. And part of the challenge in this is we begin to ask the question, how is this my problem? How is this my area to grow. We take responsibility for it. Some quick examples might be parenting. I can think of more than a few parents who ask the question, how do I grow in wisdom as a parent? Another area might be finances, where you recognize that we have consistently run into financial problems over the years. How do I grow in wisdom in finances? Another area might be speech. The way that you speak to others or about others. And you realize something has to change. Or perhaps you struggle with anger. And anger and folly go together. And there's an area you need to grow in wisdom. Take time to reflect on these gaps. Areas where you need to grow in wisdom. And this is a perfect place to also discuss with your spiritual friend. Bring this up. Bring this up with a trusted Christian friend, a spiritual friend that you've covenanted with, you're walking with, you're asking how your walk is, you're praying with each other. Say, hey, I want to know areas in my life where I need to grow in wisdom. Will you help me? Do the same for each other. That'll grow your relationship. But it'll also reveal gaps that you might not have noticed. So take time to reflect on that. And then, similar to how we did with the area of personal growth, begin to reimagine you wise. Begin to reimagine you as a wise parent, as a wise um, person in your finances, as someone who is deeply wise as a friend, as someone who uses wisdom in their words, who has wisdom in their responses. Begin to imagine and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you, you yourself, you as a wise person in that specific area. Uh, Reimagine what that would look like. How good that would feel. How good that would be. How much it aligns with God's desire for you. 
and then respond. If God has said to us that if he, are, he has said this to us, if God says, if you lack wisdom, ask of God and he'll give it to you. This is in James chapter 1. And if you identify an area that you need to grow in wisdom and you've imagined how God wants you, then it's time to ask him for help and to make a plan for that, to add it to your rule of life, to add it to your calendar. If you realize that it's parenting that you need wisdom on, then ask yourself, well, what do I need to add to my rule of life? Is it that over the course of the next couple of months I need to read a parenting book? Is it that I want to get, we want to get together with a, another experienced parent, godly parents, and we can talk about their experiences and they can pray for us. If it's a financial uh, wisdom that you need, maybe maybe you need to read Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover or need to start paying down debt in a really gazelle-intense way, as Dave would say. Maybe if you've realized that your words are off, either you use your words to tear people down or you've been gossiping a lot or whatever it is, you do a month or two of meditating on the many, many scriptures that are all about the power of the tongue, the way that we use our words to build each other up. And you, you, you set yourself a course of study and you add that to your rule of life. And if anger was the struggle that you had, maybe you begin to seek some counseling, some anger management. Maybe you discuss that with a spiritual friend. These are four broad areas that Jesus grew up in. Favor with God, favor with people, growing in stature, growing in wisdom, and it's the same for us. Let me give you two encouragements as we finish. First, it's a bit of a challenge, but it's still an encouragement, and that is this. You are responsible for your growth. Hear me right in this. What I mean by this is we can't expect other people to grow us. You need to make very intentional steps to grow yourself, to position yourself before God. This is a work that God wants to do in you, but the way God has designed this work to happen is he wants our participation, our partnership, and he calls us to respond to him, to join him in the work that the Holy Spirit is doing. Yes, our responsibility as fellow brothers and sisters and travelers on the way is to encourage each other, yes, to correct each other, yes, to discipline each other, yes, to speak the truth in love, yes. But at the end of the day, I don't make you grow. You don't make me grow. We are responsible for our own growth. And the reason why I say that is because we often can think, well, I'm not growing because, and we shift the blame somewhere else. But the truth is, we are responsible to grow. And even as we reimagine this growth under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we can take full responsibility for the work that God is also doing in our lives. And so I challenge you. You are responsible for your growth. But I also encourage you with this. We all grow awfully slow. Yes, some of us grow faster than others. But in the grand scheme of things, we all grow slow. And that's okay. Slow growth is often the key to long-term transformation. I know I've said this before. I've learned in my now few years of running that the key to running far is running slow. That The best exercise science says that you need to run far slower than what we would consider maybe normal or even fun in order to truly develop the aerobic base to go the distance we really want to go. 
the greatest marathoners in the world spend most of their time running very, very slow. Slow growth is the key to long-term transformation. So don't be overwhelmed. I know I gave a lot of information to you today, but take this and begin to work through it each and every day over the next week. Begin to think of a few intentional habits. Begin to just develop this rule of life. It doesn't need to be right overnight. And just be open to the Holy Spirit's vision for you. And you'll be amazed that though you slow, grow slow, you will be amazed at how much you grow over time. The Holy Spirit wants us to reimagine growth. Favor with God, favor with each other, in wisdom, in stature. As I close today, I challenge you to take this description of Jesus and make it personal. Luke 2.52, make it your life verse. Make it the, the verse that you write at the top of your rule of life. But instead of it saying Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and all the people, write your own name in there. Write in Tom grew or Dave grew or Olin grew or Crystal grew. Larissa grew. Glenna grew. They grew in wisdom and stature, in favor with God and with all the people. That is his desire for you. It's his desire for us. And friends, when we're growing, there is no telling what God will do in us and through us. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you take these words now and would you drive them home in us? I pray that you would help us continue to do this important work of reflecting and reimagining and then responding to these four areas of growth that you're calling us into. Help us to have these conversations with each other and with you. And may we look back and see all the ways you've grown us we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.